Hi, I'm Jackie Miller, high conflict divorce coach and consultant, and your host of this podcast, Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. Today, I have guest Christina, who is here to share her story of survival from narcissistic abuse and the courage it took to leave her marriage. Christina discusses how easy it is to lose yourself in these controlling relationships and gives us hope that in a life absent of your abuser, you will not only rediscover yourself, but find a version that is stronger, smarter, and more resilient than you ever thought possible. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today, Out of Crazy Town, Your Guide to Divorcing a Narcissist. There are so many folks out there that are enduring high conflict divorces and they're scared and feel alone. And so you being brave and come on and tell your story uh, is, is just so helpful for others to let them feel they're not alone. So welcome. Thank you, Jackie, so much. I, so I wanted to just sort of kind of launch into some questions for you about your journey um, and what your relationship was like, your marriage was like, the divorce, et cetera, and just sort of give some people some background. So how did you and your ex-husband first meet? Um, well, I was, I was quite young. So um, I was, you know, early twenties and we sort of just met through friends in the city that we were living in at the time. And he was 13 years older than me. So, um, you know, it really becomes clear that when you're in your early 20s, you really don't know yourself and you're not, you know, clear on who you are and what you're kind of willing to put up with or even recognizing red flags. So yeah. we met and it was sort of an uh, a, out of the gate. It was a great relationship. We started spending a ton of time together and we're together, you know, all the time pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know what, that's a good point. So I want to point something out right away. Um, I, this goes with being young, but it also just, it goes with personality types. And when basically like a narcissist or someone with narcissist personality disorder is looking for that perfect mate, it's someone who doesn't have a lot of boundaries when we're young, you know, not everyone, but there are a lot of us <laughs> that were out there that just didn't have our boundaries in place. And they love that. Absolutely. Well, and I think you're just forming your boundaries, right? So even though I was strong and I was independent and I was had been on my own for, you know, quite a quite a few years, you're still very like new to, you know, recognizing red flags or what kind of partner you want in life. Those things haven't been really solidified yet. So, yeah. you know, someone like these types of personalities, they feed on that because they know they can come in and act like your ally and then kind of take over and, you know, steer the boat and really control the whole situation without even realizing it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then I wanted to talk more about, like you said, the beginning of the relationship, everything was so perfect. And yes, beginning of relationships where you are in love, you know, are perfect. That's, you know, why you continue on with this person, but there tends to be a lot of love bombing and a, an intense beginning. Did you experience that? A thousand percent. Yes. So very much like, I was his best friend. I was his, you know, only kind of one person he wanted to spend all the time with outside of working. It was kind of, you know, I was put on a pedestal and, you know, he really, in a world where you maybe had past boyfriends or you have girlfriends that have boyfriends that are cheaters and they're kind of out with their buddies and they're kind of hard to track down. He was the exact opposite. You know, it's, it's like you said, love bombing is a good word for that because he just came in hard. And it was just kind of all encompassing. And it makes you feel initially like, wow, this person really wants to be with you. And he's such a good partner. 
and you know he just wants to be with you all the time but the reality is is that's how they kind of set the stage for their takeover you know i i call it it's just i used to call it you know it's like a mini cult you know that's how they how they set the stage to get you into a place where they can start to brainwash and kind of convince and 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 manipulate the situation around you because you feel like you're like in the inner circle. Absolutely. And, and with that, um, and the, then the isolation usually begins. Yep. And so what was that experience like for you? We were together for a few years. Then I got pregnant. And once I was pregnant and we, you know, once we moved to a sort of a different area of the city, I was much more isolated. You know, we knew some people, we had some friends that were sort of his, I made some friends sort of through having a baby and those kinds of things. But the reality was I was, I was taken out of where I was sort of comfortable. So the isolation definitely started with the first baby and um, kind of continued from there because at that point, then now I'm, I'm sort of under his control. I'm not, I'm no longer working. Um, I, I'm pregnant and then have a child and I'm, and I'm fairly, I'm still very young. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're just not sure of yourself. And now suddenly I'm, I'm overnight living in his world, yeah, his reign with, you know, his employers and, you know, people he has working at the house or, you know, his sort of his, his, his little regime, right. I'm I'm an employee of it. It feels like, you know, right, right. That's so well said, like you're in his world now and it, it just happens gradually and you don't realize what's happening. And did he change a lot after the first baby? Um, I don't know if he changed a lot. I think that, I think that he's, I think that really who he was just came out stronger because he just felt like now he had a real lock on things. I think his, the tendencies were already there. The personality traits, the narcissistic behavior was already there. It just came out full force because then what happened was it's not just me he's controlling now he's controlling you know our child because it's like he wants to control the names he wants to control what's going to happen you know all those kind of early decisions that you make as a couple when you have a new baby mm-hmm. or even when you're pregnant you're going to have a new baby he essentially was making um along with you know our wedding and when that date would be and who would come and who would attend and all of those things become his decisions Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that it was always in him. It just, it just goes twofold at that point. Cause he really has me in a position where he no longer really has to play that he is going to give me a voice. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't play that game anymore. And when did you start to just sort of be like, Oh no, this isn't normal or this is feeling really oppressive. Like when did that just start to dawn on you? Um, I think it was around, you know, after I had the baby, when I was pregnant, you know, that's a very overwhelming experience for someone who's sort of young and not necessarily ready for it. So I was sort of pretty much focused on other things at the time. There wasn't control on my everyday activities or even my spending. So it gives you the illusion that you are living a very comfortable life and you have lots of freedoms you're, oh, and you're so lucky because other people would die for this position and this, you know, kind of relationship or this lifestyle. So you kind of, you start to realize that after you have the baby and you start to try to, you know, get back to yourself and find your way being a young mom and kind of, you know, connect back with who you are, that really that he doesn't want that. And I think that's for me when I started to feel like I couldn't really breathe. My first son was um, three months, three or four months, and he wanted to have another baby right away. There wasn't a consideration of, are you ready? Do you want a baby? It was this pressure. So I felt extreme anxiety. You know, I had a lot of, a lot of nights where I'd have to take, you know, Ativan or Xanax because to, to battle that anxiety of knowing I wasn't in a, in a place where I felt content and secure, yet I was there and I was locked in. And 
there was this pressure to have, you know, have another baby. And cause that, that was the timeline he wanted. And I think that's when it really hit home was there was just, there wasn't really any room for my opinions, even though I have a lot of great things to bring to the table. They were never, they were never considered and they were never wanted, you know, yeah. those so I just, you just start to, you start to fade into the distance and you don't feel like you bring anything to the table because you're not allowed to. So then you start to feel kind of lost and you just kind of, you know, go, go forward on that basis. And, and, you know, so that's when it really started to hit with me was, well, you know, what, what am I bringing to the situation here and why, and why can't I bring more things? Why can't I have right. a voice? Why can't I, uh, you know, go back to work or, or do something that would build up me, just me. Yeah. That, yeah. That's not an option. You just, you feel like just a fixture in their life. Absolutely. And say I was a doll in his dollhouse. You know, if you look from the outside in, it would look like, oh, please don't, you know, don't complain. It, you know, it looked like a great, perfect life from the outside, but you really feel like a doll in someone else's, you know, dollhouse and they, and they control the entire house and the control and all the, you know, little pieces that come and go. I really didn't own my life. And, and, and within that, you also lose yourself so quickly. And I think that's what women don't understand when they have this idea that they want to get married and not work. And I want someone to take care of me. I'm like, eh, worst, worst plan. Like that's how you lose yourself so fast. And then combine that with having children, boom, you're done. And then you're so, con- you're so lost and you're so confused you, you know you it's just so much easier for someone to take control of the entire situation you give away all your control usually you're chosen for specific characteristics about you about your personality about how you look to yep. be that doll in their dollhouse you fit the bill so that you can just be put on a shelf be yep. told when to when you can come down um, yeah. We can go back and then, you know, then there's def- varying levels of abuse within that. But so leading up to the divorce, what were the things that started, what were the straws that broke the camel's back? Um, I think it was then having a second child and really starting to feel smothered, kind of, you know, really feeling a voice. I don't know kind of who I am anymore. For, I mean, it was, there was, there was a lot of everyday things that sort of just start to weigh on you and you kind of collect and you sort of feel that way. Um, you know, you just feel unhappy, kind of confused. You're just, you're just living in a world where they make all the decisions all the time. You know, it, it's interesting because you say, you know, you're, you're picked for your type of personality and those types of things. And I truly think a lot of these types of partners that are, are so narcissistic, they actually don't want someone that's super submissive out of the gate. They want someone that gives you the illusion that they're super strong and independent and interesting and accomplished and have you know they bring they're very dynamic and eclectic they want all those qualities yeah but then they take them and they beat you down enough that you can they can manipulate it to where they have full control of you but to the public eye you still exude all of those qualities yeah yeah, you make them look good. I always say they have they pick people that make them acceptable to society. A thousand percent, a thousand percent, and people really felt like I was sort of the better half because I was much more, you know, friendly and charming and all of these things. But in reality, I had to. I barely could keep my head above water living in that kind of regime. It was, and it was truly what I say was, you know, a, a cult like situation. There wasn't yeah. a lot of members of that cult, but it was a cult like, you know, situation where you don't, you don't have, not only do you not have a voice, but you, you lose your voice so much that you, you feel that your voice doesn't matter. So you don't speak up. Yeah. So yeah. I think for me leading up to the divorce, it was, it was all of those things. And then, um, I had a dog, I had a couple dogs and one of my dogs passed away and it was very tragic and very sudden. And I think what happened was it really ripped off that 
superficial layer that's kind of keeping everything contained. Mm-hmm. And I just spun out of control and realized, you know, the one thing that I had that was sort of mine that I came to this situation with was gone. And I was left with, you know, yes, we have kids, but those are our kids. They're yeah. not mine. And because I lost so much of myself and then lost, you know, my dog, which was initially my dog. Um, I really think that was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back because I just, it pushed me so far emotionally to a place where I was like, I don't, I, I don't like anything about this. You know, I can't, I can't live here anymore. I didn't have the answers. I didn't know how it was all going to work out. I didn't even know how I was going to untangle myself from it. Mm-hmm. But I just remember feeling immense anger towards him, even though it wasn't his fault that my dog passed away. It was immense anger towards him that everything I had in my life was. Yeah. Well, that is so profound because you're think about that. Yes. What that dog represented was your, the last part of you yeah. that, that was just yours. Yep. And so it's so hard to lose a pet anyway that, you know, that yep. you've had and you've cared for for so long, but when it holds that much, you know, it's a symbol of, you know, you're the last bit of your freedom or the last bit of who you were and, you know, just when you were you, I could see how that would just put you over the edge. Like, oh my gosh, now what do I have? Absolutely. Cause and, and with a lot of these situations, you know, you even know when he met me, I had my own place and I, a great spot and a great, you know, career. And I had my, and for being so young, I had things together when I really came into his world. I was, you know, one of the first things kind of that he said was, you know, I don't need any of your stuff to, you know, just basically bring yourself, bring your dog, bring your clothes. Yeah. And so when you come into that situation and you're really under their regime and all and everything is theirs mm-hmm. uh, and how, how, and everything is done the way they want it done to lose my dog was really just, um, it just pushed me so far to that edge that I couldn't turn back because I knew then that I just had to, I had to get out then or else it would never really happen. I was young enough that I I knew I could find my way again. Yeah. And no matter what age you are, it's difficult to find your way. But I knew that if, if, you know, it was more years and more years of the control, it would be even harder to untangle. It it is. It's so hard to leave and it's terrifying. And that's why I, I do this podcast. And again, I'm so grateful for you coming on and talking about it because the loneliness and the fear, uh, that, overtakes you and like, how is this going to turn out? I don't understand how this is, how I'm like you said, I'm going to untangle, but something deep inside of me is telling me to run. And 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 good at telling you that, that, you know, you have no options. They're really good at making sure that you feel that you really don't have options in the way that you feel is really crazy and that you are, you know, insane for, you know, not being happy. And, um, you know, you, they really do a good job at making you feel like you are, you are the the crazy person in the situation. And then if you leave, that's it, it's downhill for you all from, from here, you know, which, yes. And that brings me to my next question. So a was, how did it go down? Was it you that filed? And then getting into what, what we now sort of my, my colleagues and I, one of our colleagues has coined post-separation abuse. So it's the whole part of my friend shit show that occurs once the divorce starts. So was it you that filed or how did that happen? It was, it was after my dog passed away, it was clear that, you know, I wanted, I wanted some kind of separation. Of course, um, in typical fashion, he took control of the situation and he was like, oh yeah, you can move out, you can get a place, you can do this, you can do that. You know, again, kind of taking the control of things, not ever, you know, looking to have a conversation, you know, or, or level the playing field and just kind of find out what the best plan is. 
we separated for a while. There was a lot of shenanigans that went on with documents and right out of the gate there was lots of idle threats of not hiring lawyers that there would be bankruptcy claimed so right out of the gate and and I was a pretty good disciple at that point I was I was very much still you know drinking the Kool-Aid yeah so I really kind of listened I was like okay you know and he played Mr. Nice Guy if you do this and that I'll give you this you know if you you know you if you, you know, if you hire a lawyer or you date any of my friends or you do anything like this, you won't get anything. And I sort of at that point was very much still, okay, you know, I'm going to play by the rules and, you know, listen to him. So I got out and, you know, got my own place. But as soon as I sort of started to feel like I basically got out of jail, mm-hmm. <laughs> how I felt, you know, or, um, gaining my independence and my common sense almost back, you know, just this, this, that, you know, intuition that you lose so much. Once I started getting that back, I, I was not such a good disciple anymore. So I didn't listen all the time. So yeah, it started with the threat. So that the, definitely the abuse started then when there was, I was going to do these things for you. I was going to do X for you, but now you did this, you're not getting that. Uh-huh. And, it's your you know, fault. It's your fault. And you know, uh, you know, you, you don't really need the kids half the time because you want to go live your life. What? what? Like, when did I say that? So I think that, um, I think a lot of that stuff was that really started early on, probably six months out, seven months out, because I, once I was free of it, I started to really reconnect with who I was. And that's when he started to have to put on the pressure to try to yank back the control. Yeah. He cannot have you out there thinking for yourself yeah, and making decisions for yourself. And I'm so glad you highlighted that because I hear so often from clients, the same story, the beginning starts the same. Oh, okay. You want to divorce or, you know, you start to have the conversation. Maybe things aren't going so well. And a lot of them will be like, it's another opportunity to take the reins. And I don't hire a lawyer. Because yep. hey, let's all acknowledge that would be you standing up for yourself and somebody else giving you sound advice and you yep. know it's and they know it's not going to be advice <laughs> that behooves them. So don't get an attorney. I'll be fair. I'll give you this. I'll do I'll give you that. And you know deep down what they're capable of. So you're thinking, okay, maybe this will maybe this will turn out. Okay, maybe I can get away and it'll it'll be all right and I'll have enough money and I won't have to go through this night those nightmare divorces I hear about. And you're so hopeful. And yes. you just you just can't wait to get into that apartment or just get away Absolutely. and just be alone. So well, you're and, like, you're, and you're willing just to take like little scraps of yeah. anything, you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so great. Thank you so much. And like, okay, fine. I'll get my own apartment. You're okay. This is, and you're so willing to like accept the bare minimum. Yeah. Because that's really what you've been, you've been brainwashed to believe that you've, you're so lucky to be in this situation. Now you are so crazy to leave it. Well, you're only going to get the bare minimum because you're so insane to leave the situation. Yeah. So here, we'll give you a few little you know, peanuts. Yeah. And you should be happy with that. And you really believe that until you get into the real world and you start absorbing what you've been, what you've been sheltered from for so long. And you're like, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. And the other thing they like to do is that, you know, they want to make sure that not only do you not hire a lawyer, but don't listen to other people and other people don't know this and other people are this and, and everyone else is, you know, these, these, you know, they're the enemies and other, you know, other women don't, don't listen to them. They, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. They wasted money on attorneys, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's on any, it's, it's, it's a constant battle of you're not smart. Don't listen to other people. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. And, you know, even to this day, there's still comments to me of how I wasn't smart that I hired an attorney. 
who did an amazing job. And he went through three different attorneys. And I know that he had told other people, Hey, if you ever get divorced, hire, you know, this, this person who I used. But yet to my face, he'll continue to say how stupid I was to hire that person. So it's interesting that even now, you know, quite a long time out, there's still that effort to try and break me down for my decisions and bully me for my, for my strength and my, my independence and all the, all, the, all the decisions I made along the way still try to make you feel shitty about it somehow, right? Yeah. Somehow, because any, any wins for you are a losses for them. So right. they need to try to, try to dismantle your wins in any yes. way. And it's and, that's just it. It's black and white. Either I won or I lost. There is no in between. And, and that's what happens. The black and white thinking that they've had all along. Um, but yeah, it, it's just even magnified during the divorce process. And so w- like, when did things start to get really crazy in your divorce? We, I had, I, I signed a bunch of separation agreements and, and documents without a lawyer as I as he told me to do and kind of went on my own and got my you know own place and started to have some sort of freedom and told me he was you know going to give the kids to me 50% of the time and then of course once I was out that was not really happening and um so there was a lot of fighting about that he controlled the entire schedule and I was like this doesn't make sense like so it was kind of a couple steps that were happening as they were going on. He was just like, nope, this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. And then what happened was, you know, he had told me that he was going to, you know, here's just a small amount of money, but down the road, you know, I can help you buy a house or build your house or do something. Right. One day he was like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. So I remember thinking, this is just crazy. Like he just thinks he can just, you know, because I'm not being this perfect little disciple he's, uh, he's like punishing me. Like I'm like a child, you know? And so I remember thinking to myself, I need to speak to a lawyer. I knew that a lot of the documents that I signed were shady. There was some stuff that went on with dates and, you know, changing dates and kind of a lot of smoke and mirrors um, mm-hmm. as they do. Right. They kind of always create whatever narrative they want to create. They create out of thin air, thin air. Yeah. Thin air. This is the narrative. And you're like, what? Yes. So we got really bad when, um, I, and I remember like it was yesterday feeling so nervous to go see a lawyer, nervous, like literally physically not well driving there, parking. Oh yeah. I'm basically like, you know, this, it's an act of defiance An act of defiance. Like, I mean, you're, I'm literally like, and you're I, terrified. Yeah. Like just felt sick to my stomach the entire time. And, um, I remember the attorney saying to me, reviewing all the documents and she said to me, you know, it's, it, I'm really, um, I'm really surprised that you signed these things because not only are they extremely uh, unfair and, and ridiculous and fraudulent, you just don't, you seem, you, 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 you clearly are, are smart. You're not, yeah. you're not, you're not a dumb person. You're not, you know, head in the clouds and you know, you're articulate. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize is that they really do get you and um, mess with your, um, your ability to, to, to think clearly yeah. And so even though I knew that wasn't a good idea to sign those kinds of things and that didn't make sense and it didn't seem fair and it didn't seem um, transparent, I did it anyways. And so I think when, when she said that to me, that was again, another sort of a line drawn in the sand where I was like, there's enough of this, like I'm done. Yeah. And she said, you know, you just have to, uh, this is going to be a big fight. It's going to be very difficult. He's going to come after you and you're going to have to stand behind your attorney and you're going to have to be strong. And that's essentially, you know, and, and I, and I will say, and I say to this day that, you know, on many levels, 
I would be strong person regardless of him, but I am a hundred times stronger because of him. And every time I had a small win or a large win or any kind of anything, just even managed him, it's made me stronger and always out in the world. And, you know, he really felt that he would be able to threaten me enough and make me feel scared enough that he would have ultimate control like he does with other people in his life, Yeah, Uh, whether they're in his life or out of his life. But he didn't do that. He, He couldn't do that with me. He couldn't hang on to the control with me. And that has resulted in many positive things in my life, being able to go out and really take on anything. Because when you are able to come through a situation like this, what can't you, what can't you manage? What can't you take on in life, right? When you have somebody, you know, constantly attacking you, an act of war on a, you know, Monday to Monday to Sunday. Right, right. I always tell people like once once you physically can get away from them a little bit, every single day that goes by, it's like your brain starts to heal. And, and literally that's actually physiologically true because you have been living in fight or flight for so long. And, and literally the you know the hormones and the chemicals that your brain and body has been emitting have kept you in a state where you can't completely have thought, you know, go through a full thought process or, you know, you're, you're signing things out of fear, like you said, not out of common sense. So once you can sort of separate yourself and start to think for yourself and have the mental space to think for yourself, things just really do start to come together. And I usually ask guests this at the end of the podcast, but let's talk about this now. It's like, what do you have to look forward to when you get to the other side of this? I can just tell everyone out there that's in the fetal position right now, you will be stronger because of it. And you will not believe the things you will be capable of doing in a positive way for you, for yourself and for your future because of what you will be going through. A thousand percent. I mean, you, you're in such a lost space and you feel like that's going to be forever. But I will say that you know, you'll look back and you won't believe. I mean, I, I look back and think I I couldn't even pick a pink color for myself when I first moved out. I remember thinking I felt a need. I wanted to change the color of my walls. I felt, I felt an overwhelming need to, to call him, even though we're, we're not even, you know, we're, we're in war and ask him what color he used on the walls because I didn't feel confident enough in myself to make that decision because I was so lost in who I was. I was wasn't tapped into what I liked and what made sense to me. And because that was one of the, one of the things he always used to say, well, you don't really know, and you don't really know your style and you don't really know this. and You don't really know that. And, you know, after a while of someone telling you that you believe it, you believe that yeah. you don't really know as, as much as everyone else around, you know, so you should just be quiet. The constant underlying message is you're just not smart enough. You just don't have the right, you just don't. And it's yep. just constant, constant. And after a while, you know, it, it, it sets in, right. And it, you start to believe it. So when you leave that and you're in that fetal position and then you start to, you start to come out of it slowly and it's a, it's a hard space to be in and you have to fight through it. But when you start to come through it and you have a few little breakthroughs, you literally, you're, you're, you're shook on how, how could you have been so like, I remember thinking, how did I not pick outfits for myself? Like when I tell people this today, they're like, Oh, so that's funny. You were in a controlling relationship. They think it's a joke. They're like, well, how, how is that even possible? You're such a strong, intelligent, independent, fun, charismatic, like successful woman. And it is mind boggling to people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, no, it really, like, like whether it's guys I've dated or guy friends or girlfriends or whoever people are like, huh? Like, it's hard to imagine uh, me being in that position. And that's the thing is that when you're in it, 
you, you just, you feel like that's, you know, you you feel extremely lost. And to anybody who's in that position right now, it's, it's only a matter of time. It's every, you know, every day you just have to get up and kind of focus on doing things that, you know, make sense to you that are good for you, that are good for your soul, good for your mind. And every step in the right direction will get you there. And you'll be there with, without even realizing you'll be there. And suddenly there'll be this like whole new world, a new chapter, a new person that you'll be who really you always were, but just, it was beat out of you for a while, right? It was just manipulated out of you. So it's really no different than being in a physically abusive situation. No. But the physically abusive situation, you have bruises, you have cuts, you have physical things that you can be reminded of. Whereas when it's a mentally and abusive, a mentally and emotionally abusive situation, you forget because you don't have, you can't take a photo of it. Oh, this is what happened. You know, this is what he did to me. Right. There's nothing to, there's nothing to, um, there's no physical evidence, like you said, to show people. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but this is why I want to tell people that if you are with an attorney or if you are with a therapist or even friends in your circle that are sort of looking at you and and not getting that it you know well you know the physical or the emotional abuse and the mental abuse right very or, intelligent or women people, or other people will say it's not that bad or or you no know, really you know just maybe listen to what he has to say because they don't understand what you're dealing with if you haven't dealt with this that that you can't take advice from people who don't know what you're dealing with no unless you can't. It's something similar do not take advice from them because they'll literally sell you down the river they don't they don't necessarily mean to they just have no flipping idea what yeah. what you're what you're dealing with i mean yeah i have so many friends of mine say to me oh but he's you know he's good looking he seems like a good dad i mean they would literally say those things and then like a year later they were like oh my god what a nightmare but because on the surface and also they're very good at having a good a decent public yes profession, right oh, for sure it's different if they at least if they were physically abusive, then they could be the guy that's an asshole and yelling and abusive and maybe grab you by the hair or do something that would allow the public to see what you're battling. Yeah. So you feel vindicated. But in this these scenarios, it's hidden. It's all smoke and mirrors and layered and manipulation and yeah. you don't see that. So on the outside, they're like, Really? Like he seems good looking, he dresses well, he makes money. I mean, what 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 do you really want in your life? Like yeah. That's what they, that's what they see, you know, right, right. And that's all, that's all orchestrated by the way. Every single piece is orchestrated. Like I used to say, people used to say, oh, your ring's so beautiful. But really what I realized is my ring was really a reflection of him. Yeah. Ring was a reflection of who he was and how much money he could spend and what he did. And right. so everything really in his life, including me was a reflection of him. It wasn't like we were a team together um, and he wanted my input. It was really, I was another piece in the, in the larger puzzle of wanting to build his image. And thank you for that example, because I like to often pause and say, could we just talk about what healthy would look like? So a big ring on your finger would be um, a husband who is like, I love you. I care about you so much. I want, I want everyone to know not that you're mine because it's ownership, but that we're together and I'm the luckiest man in the world to have this beautiful, intelligent wife. And you know, wh- which ring do you want, honey? Which ring do you like? Um, is it, that's what healthy looks like. The ring on your finger when you're married to someone like your ex is ownership. Look how much money I make. Look at my, you know, um, beautiful doll, my doll in my dollhouse. And yeah, look at the ring that I can afford to put on my doll's finger. 
And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you, you, you know, when you, when I used to, I remember when I, uh, a couple of years out from my, my divorce, I had gone back to work and, um, I was dealing with some clients and I remember they were, they were like a young couple, young married. I think they maybe just had a baby watching them speak about their decisions about this house and what they were going to do, the way they were speaking to each other and the way that he was deferring to her and being like, well, I want you to be like, there was just this, this overwhelming vibe of their partners. They were partners in life, right? It wasn't his life and, and his control. And she was just in it and lucky her, they were partners in it. And I remember it, it really hitting me hard. Cause I was like, that's something I never had. I never had that. I never had my voice never mattered. He made the decision. And I think that when regardless of of age difference or or any of those things when somebody takes over that role all the time and your voice doesn't matter that's where it's going to lead you i mean and you you you're going to lose your voice no matter what you're going to lose who you are it's just it's just going to be what happens right yeah. and that like you said a healthy relationship is not that i also that's interesting because I think that it's like, and, and you want to look forward to calling your partner and telling them about things and whatnot. But in those um, kind of controlling marriages, I often hear clients say like, I constantly contacted him or called him throughout the day. And it made it sound like I'm this, anyway, it was like for permission. And like, I needed to let him know what was going on throughout the day. And I didn't want any surprises when he got home so that there were, you know, fist slamming on the counter and like questioning and like, why'd you like, literally like, why'd you go to that grocery store today? And so I would literally contact him all throughout the day just to get his input and get his approval. Or like you said, make sure the paint color I picked out was okay. Because not only do you not feel confident in picking out the paint color, there's also this fear, like I might be in trouble when he gets home. Oh my God. I can't even tell. I remember standing in a store and I was there to pick up some towels and, and I was sweating. I was sweating. Like what soap dish should I pick? What, what would he, if, if he was here, what would he pick? What if he was here? Well, what do I want? I, there, there, none of that thought process for me. It was not, what do I, what do I want to do? And I have an ability and I have good taste and I can pick this. It was, what would he want? And I'm sitting there and then I start taking photos and then sending it to him. He used to say, you know, you just, you, you're not running the household. You're not making decisions, but how do you make decisions? How do you run a household when you, when you, when everything's stripped away from you, yeah. when all that confidence and you know, that connection to your, your, your inner self and, and who you are is, is beat down. You, yep. you can't make decisions because you don't have any confidence in yourself. No. You so clarity. it's a vicious cycle and which is exactly where they want you. So beat you down. You can't make yeah. any decisions. You're afraid to, for fear of not making the right decision. And then they come back with what is wrong with you? You have, you, yeah. you, you can't do anything. You can't yep. run a house. You can't raise the kids. You can't like you're, ah, God, like, and you're so lucky to live in this house and live this life. And like, and then you have, you, how dare you complain or, you know, when it's not a complaint, maybe you're just asking for, <laughs> you're just, you could ask for the most basic things and it's a complaint, oh, right? Exactly. And, you know, I was going to ask you like, what were your craziest stories, which you're welcome to share. But I honestly think the soap dish is so profound, Christina, because that is it just you just gave me the chills and almost tears come to my eyes because you're absolutely right this again going back to this extremely intelligent i know that you're very successful in what you do strong woman who used to have this very independent life and you had your own place and your own stuff and your great career and now you're in an aisle at a store questioning what soap dish yeah. and you're sweating yeah. over yeah. it and it's like let's just contrast those two things and take the magnitude and and how profound that story is because it, it's that's just so well said and thank you for sharing that we can go on and on about the super crazy stories that happen in divorces and there are and and I know you have them um, 
that's but, the thing. A lot of people can have crazy stories. A lot of people have bad relationships and they're very toxic and they're very, both people can be very, you know, aggressive. There can be fighting. Let's call the cops. Those stories are easier to understand because it's like X, Y, and Z happened. Mm-hmm. But to explain that I'm so lost and I'm standing there and I can't make a decision on a soap dish, it, it's not, it's not sensationalized. Like it's not, it's, it's not like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a horrible scenario. Right. It, not glamorized the same way as, you know, I had to call the police on my husband 17 times or he's a drunk and he comes, you know, he's sleeping on the grass or, you know, everyone, you know, there's lots of scenarios that are super difficult and super toxic, but some of them are easier that you just, they're, they're easy to see. They're easy. They're almost socially acceptable stories. Absolutely. That explain the abuse. Exactly. Oh, that's horrible. Thank God you got out of that situation. But when people, when I first left, people were like, what, what are you doing? People don't understand that it's, 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 it's worse than that. It's, it's so mentally and emotionally abusive to a degree that if you don't get out in time, you, you are not going to be able to recover because yeah. it's not a bruise that can heal. You know, it's, it's so damaging to your, your soul, to everything. Right. So yep. it's, it's, they get in like a little virus and they kind of just go to work. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And again, just letting people out there know that there is a community of people. We are here to help. We understand what you're going through. We understand the tiniest detail, you know, the most subtle comments or put downs and the severity of the damage that it's doing and the control that you're under. And so I, I just, because I know that there's so many people out there going, everyone thinks that I'm crazy, you know, if I leave and how, like you said, are you going to untangle this? And am I strong enough to do it? How am I going to live when I get out and you can do it? You are, they picked you because you're strong. They picked you because you're smart. They need you. Yep. You don't need them. Exactly. And, and, and just remember that the more they tell you how you're not smart and you are stupid. And if you leave, this is going to happen and that going to happen. Remember that every time they say that, it's because they're more and more nervous and they're getting scared and, and they're going to try to sell you on a story. And the more that that story becomes more elaborate and there's more threats, you're getting warmer. Yep. You're getting closer to finding that independence and you're getting closer to winning that game and they know it. And so the bigger the threats, the more that you're, you're making them nervous. So. Yeah. Right. Right. And specifically, and, and I think I know what you're saying specifically in the context of divorce, because I, when things start getting really heated and they start blowing up and you're like, Oh my gosh, where's this going? What are they capable of doing to me? You're absolutely right. Just try to console yourself knowing you're making the right moves. The more out of control they get there, you're winning. Yes. Yes. You, it, it, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it, but you're making small wins that are, that it's going to be detrimental to their program. And that's yeah. why they're so hard to stop you. They're trying. Yeah. So the harder they try, know that you are, on the right path. You were on the right journey. So, cause if they're not trying hard, you're, you're not doing things right. As a high conflict divorce coach and consultant, I can tell you I am here because I, I always say I'm the person I wish that I had in my divorce because I know how horrible and difficult it is. And I needed someone to understand all these, uh, you know, all, like I said, the subtle nuances of the abuse in marriages. And anyway, I, again, want to really thank you for coming on, Christina, and sharing your story. It's been... I wish I had someone like you back then. Um, You know, I would have been able to accomplish what I, what ultimately took me years, I would have been able to do in a much shorter time if I had that support system. It just didn't exist, you know, not, not in a way that I could find it 
to, to, ha- to, to actually physically have, you know, okay, I need you in my life. I couldn't find it as a friend. I couldn't find it in family. You're not going to find it like that. You really need to find it in somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And if that um, existed back then, you know, things would have been a lot different. It was, it was a really long, hard road. So, you know, when somebody has that opportunity, I just think it's amazing what you're doing. That is the best thing that you could do for yourself is to have yeah. that support system to keep you on track and clear. And because every, because there'll be some days where you just want to give up the entire fight. So yeah. true. Thank you again. I so appreciate you being here. Thanks again, Christina. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.